Welcome to Brain Health Matters, a show dedicated to helping you improve your health, master your mind, and boost your brain. This week's guest is Diane Annie Mathias, a multi-talented creative with a deep understanding of how art and music can help us heal and transform. Stay tuned. Brain Health Matters is brought to you by The Musical Brain, book three in the Healthy Brain series. Enjoy the fun and easy practices in this book to improve your memory, sharpen focus, and master your mind with the healing power of music. Available on Amazon everywhere. Hello there. I'm your host, Kate Kunkel, and I'm joined today by Diane Annie Mathias. Annie is a multi-talented creative with a deep understanding of the use of art in healing and transformation. Annie has a heart as big as the sky and is an amazing writer and artist. Her nonprofit, Resources for Uncovering Wonder, utilizes the creative arts, including writing, art, and music as tools in the growth process. Thanks so much for joining me, Annie. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me here. I was so excited to get an email from you a little while back, um, sharing some of the things that are going on in your world. And I took that opportunity to go and check out some of your YouTube videos. Folks, if you have an opportunity, go visit because there's so many wonderful things there to fill your heart. But Annie, you were sharing the sounds of our lives in one of the videos. And I thought it was very appropriate to talk about that now since we've dedicated March here uh, to music on Brain Health Matters. So what does it mean to us to connect with sound? And how can that connection help us in our spiritual and emotional journey? Well, I've been a sound practitioner and I've been teaching people to play the didgeridoo, the native flute, drumming, different things like this for years and years. And so in that setting, there's so many important parts of why those work. Not only camaraderie with others. I'm not a Juilliard um, practiced musician. I teach people to play from the heart, which can be a different type of music than concert, you know, pianists and things like that. But what it does is it allows people especially a lot of people have stopped doing music because at some point in their life, somebody said, you're not a musician. Oh, you can't sing. Oh, you can't this. What it does is it allows us to connect with ourselves in a much deeper way. And this is one of the ways that the sounds in our life is really vital. For years, I taught at a cancer center and I taught uh, people who are either living with cancer or bereaved how to play the native flute, which is a basically, you can play it to great extremes, but you can also play it very simply because there's six notes and you don't have to learn to read music. I I just want to intersperse there because I believe that a lot of the problem with people taking up an instrument is that they think that they have to do it according to these rules of classical music or whatever. And it seems to me to stifle not just the creativity, but your heart. Well, to use an instrument that doesn't have a requirement to read music, you play with your ears, you can experiment, you can hear what the different notes sound like. And once basically you understand that, which is not difficult, you can sit outside and you can play music with the birds, or you can sit and play up and down according to what the mountains look like. In one class, a lady came in and she was grieving. She was obviously very, very sad. 
And I said, how are you today? And she picked up her flute and she played a few phrases on her flute. I picked up my flute and I played back and we had a conversation in the music without any words required, which is, I'll never forget that moment because we need expression that don't always use our words. And True enough. Oh, that sounds so beautiful. What a, that's going to be something you remember for the rest of your life for sure. Yes. And I'm sure she does as well. Yes. And in the, within the class, we would have, you know, times when people would play something like play joy on your flute and they would just spontaneously stand up and play something that was joyful or play something that's very meditative, something where you're really thinking about something or play what it's like to be a little kid running through the fields. And so learning to use music as an expression, a spontaneous expression is a powerful thing. Tell me about the didgeridoo, because I know absolutely nothing about this, but I understand that it is actually a very powerful healing instrument. Um, I've used, we do a process called digging people, where you play the didgeridoo <laughs> over somebody because the vibration is so amazing. I began playing the didgeridoo, I don't know, about 15 years ago. I just love the sound of it. It reminds me of walking on earth in the forest. It's a very organic sound, very deep sound. And so I began to play. Now it's not necessarily a super easy instrument to play because you incorporate in circular breathing, which is where you breathe in and breathe out at the same time. So you can have this continual stream of music. Um, but I practiced and I, I was able to understand that anybody can, but um, I've had people say, oh, I love the sound of the didgeridoo. Will you teach me how to play? And it's like, okay. And after one hour, they say, no, I want to be able to play like you. And I said, there's an on-ramp. You have to understand it takes a while to learn. But yeah. the didgeridoo comes in all sorts of keys, just like anything, according to how long it is and how, you know, the bore length, their whole size. And different woods have different sounds. And it can be played as a percussive. I mean, I know they've played didgeridoos um, with beatbot and, you know, all sorts of things. But it's also the way I love to play it is as a drone and um, you can make animal sounds through it. And one thing that happens with the didgeridoo that's amazing is as you're playing, the harmonics will rise up and the different sounds will bounce off of one another, creating a whole other sound. And it's the most fascinating instrument because it's so meditative. And even if you're playing it for yourself and there's nobody listening, it's such a deep healing sound. I mean, it goes through your body and it's, it's a fabulous instrument. You, you mentioned about the vibration of it. I'm a, I'm a vibroacoustic therapist. I deal okay, with low, I, I deal with low um, frequency sound going through the body for healing. And when you mentioned about the didgeridoo, I could imagine it would have a lot of that kind of impact yes. on a person's body as well then. Yes. And I am not a doctor. I'm not a medical practitioner, but I, at one point I was having trouble with kidney stones and I asked a friend, I said, would you come over and play the didgeridoo for me? And I lay on the couch and, and the sound was actually able to move the kidney stone. Now, of course, when they use ultrasound, that sound also. So it makes perfect sense. Yes, the vibroacoustical sound of the didgeridoo is powerful. Yeah, That's and fascinating uh, when, the, to use it that way for the kidney stones as well. I mean, I use 
I use the vibroacoustics for many physical ailments. I'm also not a doctor, of course, but I've seen amazing things happen with sound. People with Parkinson's disease, if we use 30 hertz, which is very, very low, folks, we can actually help stop the tremors. It somehow interrupts the frequency of the tremors. So those low frequency sounds can do amazing things. And and with Alzheimer's disease, they found that if they play 40 hertz through the vibroacoustics, if the person is relatively, you know, not, not too far along, they can actually help stop the progression of the the disease and in fact, inspire growth of neurons. Isn't that amazing? I love that sound. With I know. Sound. I know. And, and, you know, I just am a kid in a candy store here because this, I love this conversation with, with the um, didgeridoo and drumming or any of these, the stressor level is reduced mm-hmm. as you enter into the sound. Like when people are playing, like I was talking about the flute people, I tell them to become the song. Don't just play a song, become the sound and a song enter into that place where you are actually a part of the music and they get lost in it, which is wonderful because they're not thinking about, am I playing the right note or is this sounding good or, but they become lost in the music and they're able to escape the stress. They're able to move out of a place where they're, you know, kind of ego-centered and they just become a part of what's going on. And that's so good for us. You know, we talk about mindfulness. Well, that's, I think that's the center of mindfulness. That's the ultimate mindfulness. I have to agree with you 100%, Annie. It's just, to me, when I play the harp, when Mm -hmm. I get when I get connected with my harp, because you also wrap your body around this instrument. And when yes. you pluck the strings, the strings decay, the decay is quite long on, on the longer strings. And so that vibration goes through your body for a very long time. Uh-huh. It is, I truly feel I even have a tattoo on my neck, the back of my neck, it's me holding the harp, but I am one with the harp. And yes. I feel like when we are one with an instrument, and it doesn't have to be anything complicated, like you said, just be one with it. It doesn't matter whether anybody else likes it or anybody else hears it, or no. it doesn't no. matter. You could be playing one note over and over and over again, and you can become <laughs> one with it. It's not it's not complicated. It's not a matter of doing a fancy, whatever. Um, right. This, this folks is so important. I, I, I can't emphasize how much I appreciate this from Annie because I, I played the cello for a very short time. My first lesson was running the bow along one string mm-hmm. to make it sound and to feel it. So that, that feeling, I'll never forget that someday I'll get a cello again, but that was the most incredible feeling just playing that one note. And I did it for a week, that one note on that one string, but wow, what an amazing thing. And folks, this is the great thing about music. It is, it is us. We are meant to be, we're meant to be music. We are frequent. Everything's vibrating all the time, right? Annie, the the air, the, 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 the planet us we're all vibrating all the time so we are music and letting ourselves go I also play the crystal bowls and I have a good um, assortment of crystal bowls one is I call it my dolphins and whales because it's so deep and it sounds like dolphins and whales but to allow ourselves to enter into that sound and just let go of everything else and be in that sound or like a symphonic gong 
Um, everybody, I think, has seen those large symphonic gongs. And, and depending on where you play it, you get these incredible sounds. And then the, the harmonics bounce off of one another. And it sounds like what comes up out of the gong is almost like a singing. The first time I ever heard one, I'm looking around to think, who's singing? Well, it's the sounds that like, you know, bouncing off of one another. And there is a place where if you allow yourself to relax, you can go into, I mean, they call it different uh, names, an altered state of consciousness where you just, you're floating, you're being. Some people, they are able, you know, some people go to sleep. Some people see colors. Some people just are, you know, floating along. It doesn't matter. There's no right or wrong, but it's allowing yourself to relax and be in that vibrate in that vibration. I and also want to talk about the power of silence. You also put something about that on your site or YouTube. Let's talk about silence because I think very few people understand the power of silence. When I'm at home, just on my own, I rarely listen to the radio anymore. I love the silence because I met with thoughts or peace. I don't have to always have something going on. And learning how to sit in quiet is really an important practice. I think that's yes. also part of my mindfulness to be able in the morning, um, I have doves that come and a lot of doves and I'll sit outside um, early morning with a cup of coffee and the doves come in and I can sit there for half an hour in the silence, but it's not really silent because these doves come in in their wings and then there's the sound of the traffic or the sound of this little other animal over here. But being a part of the whole in the silence is a powerful place to be. Oh, it's so healing. It is so good for us. It, it's good for the actual physical brain. You know that it, it inspires neurite growth because it's considered by our brains as something novel because there's oh. so much noise in the world oh. that when we have moments of silence, the brain has a chance to recognize that as something new. And it actually inspires neurite growth. Isn't that amazing? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, that's that's one of the things I discovered when I was doing the research for the book I have coming out in April, The Musical Brain. It's there is so much to do with silence. And for learning, if you are learning something, and this is maybe many people don't understand this, there's the Pomodoro method for learning where you where you study or work for 25 minutes and then you take five minutes off. But this is even more intense because you actually learn or study or read or whatever you're doing for 20 minutes. And then you sit in silence mm. so that your brain has a chance to absorb what you've just done or learned or read or whatever. So I've been doing this on purpose over the last number of months when I'm working. And I've noticed that not only am I much more efficient by giving myself those five minutes every, every time, but the fact mm -hmm. that it's in silence, mm -hmm. nothing else is going on. I remember like these are little facts much better. I remember about the neurite growth. I remember about those things. So that's something for people who, who maybe never spend time in silence to consider, you know, that's, I didn't know that, but one of the things that 
after we finish playing or doing something, we sit quietly in silence because the silence is so rich. The silence is so full. It's as full as the music filled room, that silence. Yes. Was it Mozart or Beethoven? Somebody says music, the music is the silence between the notes. Yes. And, and I believe that that is very much a, a, an important thing. So we've talked about the, the gongs and about uh, the didgeridoos, the flutes. Now let's talk about drumming because okay. I do, I've devoted a whole chapter to drumming because I feel it's so powerful. I've had some amazing experiences myself. Can you uh, maybe talk a little bit with the folks about like a drumming circle, what that sure. does? It's a collective experience where everybody plays a part. Now you can play just a simple part of tapping on a drum very simply, or you can, you know, if you're a good drummer, you can play all sorts of things, but it's the rhythm, the sound, it fills our bodies. It's a collective thing that we all do together. There's times when you're playing that it sounds like a train wreck, but if you let it continue through, it'll even out because the drum reflects our heartbeat and we all have a heartbeat. So we all have a sense of rhythm and the drumming circles, drums, you know, they're like, they are musical instruments. Some drums are high, some drums are low. Some drums are like, I have a big powwow drum, which is played very deep and slow as opposed to a higher little drum that's played much quicker. And I don't teach people to count as they, you know, there's all sorts of different ways of teaching drumming. Instead, I tell people to let their hands find their way. And intuitively, your hands will find their way. Now, there's little tricks and things we can do too. But it's a wonderful way of people coming together all ages. Um, recently, the drumming circles I've had have been of older people, not necessarily younger. Years ago, Remo Drugs, excuse me, <laughs> Remo <laughs> Drums. <laughs> <laughs> Remo Drums developed a drumming circle evidence-based program called Health Rhythms. There's a camaraderie. There's all sorts of different things that they tested. And so, you know, you can take them into hospitals or businesses. And because it's evidence-based for people that aren't usually so okay to go ahead and just go to a drumming circle. It's like, this is really medically good for you. Oh, and, absolutely. And, yeah. and the, the great thing is like with, with drumming, they use that a lot to to uh, help people who have cognitive decline yes. because it's yes. something anyone can do. That's right. And, and it's, it feels empowering for people who, who may feel like they don't have any control over their life, their bodies, nothing. But when they get in a drumming circle and they're being let, they can keep the beat because we yes. are the beat, right? Yes, we, we are. We are. Absolutely. And when I have a drumming circle, I'll often ask somebody, okay, who's going to lead this? And people will gingerly say, I'll lead it. And, and what a sense of empowerment that gives them, you know, because um, everybody can do that. But sometimes people are shy. It's like, oh, I can't really do that. And, and the drumming circle has so many pluses. And of course, we'll play native flutes or didgeridoos or different instruments right along with the drumming, which makes it even more fun. Now, I know in a lot of drumming circles, they don't do that, but that's just kind of an extra little thing or rattles, you know, things like sure. that. Sure. The cool thing is with music, you can do whatever cranks your key, you know, know, like it doesn't, know. it's, it's, I, I was a classically trained pianist and I started when I was four and I quit the conservatory. I was finished my conservatory training when I was, by the time I was 14. 
Wow. And, and, but it took me 13 years to recover from that. Uh-huh. It really did. <laughs> yeah. I had to recover from the classical training. Yeah. And, and, and it was not really until I took up the harp another five years later that I was able to overcome the piano training and enjoy music for music's sake. And that's what I, one thing I'd like to stress to folks listening to this. If you are a recovered classically <laughs> trained person and, and you really you've felt that, you know, like, like Annie said, somebody told you that you couldn't hold a tune or you couldn't play, forget about it, forget about it because you can, you absolutely can. And you should for your heart, your soul, your brain, your body. We need music. We are music. We are also silence, but we are music. Annie, you also, and the reason I met Annie folks is because I took a journaling course with Annie, not your typical journaling course. I think that's what you called it. And I, I still use the methods that you taught. I would like you to talk to folks a little bit about how journaling can be so beneficial. I've written ever since I was a small child. I have these, um, these little one of a kind books that I create, and I probably have about 25 of them all throughout my lifetime. And for me, writing is a powerful modality just to be able to express and journaling is wonderful because you can write in a journal and not have to share it with anybody. You don't have to tell anybody what you're saying. You can write down whatever you want, however you want. You can draw pictures, you can scribble on the page, whatever you want to do, but it's a place to go that's safe to express. And a lot of people think that journaling is like keeping a diary. It's not. This is one of my journals here. And somebody, I was teaching a class once and somebody said, oh, you mean our journals can be messy like that? I said, absolutely. It can be anything you want. And there's just, you know, there's all sorts of things in here. There's um, pieces of cloth that I had dyed and I glued it to the page and I wrote over the top of it. There's photos and pictures and poems that I wrote or sayings that I picked out of a out of off the internet and I copied, you know, I I copied them and put them in. But journaling is such a wonderful expression of what's going on inside of us. And it helps us to be able to sort through things. It helps us to be able to, if you're struggling with something, to be able to write about it really helps to order it. If you've been through something that was really traumatic. Um, I remember the fires here in California and all my kids, my grown kids live up by where the fires were and oh, And I would write, I would journal about the fires and it helped me because I could leave it on the page. There's no rules. There's no things that you have to do. You don't have to do it every day. Although I encourage people to journal as much as they want to or can. And um, let it be a place to capture what's in your heart. Oh, what a beautiful way to put that. Capture what's in your heart. Annie, I'm so sorry that this time has come to an end because I could chat with you literally for hours and hours and hours. We have so much in common and you have such wonderful, heartfelt information to share with people. How can people work with you? I know you have your journaling course. You have many things. I have viewers all around the world. So what, what would you suggest for people to get in touch with you? I would suggest that they go to the website, um, uncoveringwonder.org, and you will see I have blogs that I've written. I have workshops that are available. There's free, some free workshops on there too. There's a um, 
video library, which is on YouTube. And because of the time that we're in, I went through and I unpublished, I, I released a lot of my unpublished videos, um, meditations, things like that, that I was using for classes. They're all there for free that you can watch and oh. you can enjoy because we need safe places. We need places right now where we can go and find rest and peace. And so there's different playlists. There's one for um, meditations and encouragement. There's another one for poetry. There's one for storytelling. There's one for writing tips. There's one for music. So, you know, you can jump into a playlist and you'll see all these different videos about that topic. Wonderful. So. Thank you so much, Annie. I, I have so much enjoyed this and I know our viewers and our listeners will as well. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you for asking me. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Brain Health Matters. Be sure to subscribe with your favorite podcast service so that you can get all the latest episodes when they're released. 